Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi and welcome to this week's episode. This week we are talking about clutter triggers, what they are, if you have them, which I'm sure you do, and how they might be able to help you. So, Beck, do you think you can define for us what a clutter trigger is or what we mean by a clutter trigger? Yeah, we are going to have to explain this, aren't we? Because when you and I were discussing it, we we had, you know, we weren't sure whether or not we would know what the other person was talking about. But we did. We both meant the same thing. So what we mean by clutter triggers are uh, situations or occurrences or just happenings um, in everyday life that draw your attention to the need to declutter in that area or in that space or in that circumstance, I guess, if we're talking about maybe scheduling decluttering. Uh, So basically, it's something that you notice or you look at or that happens that makes you go, oh, I need to make a change here. So we've got some examples of clutter triggers, and this might help solidify the idea in your mind if you're not quite with us. So let's start in the kitchen, Beck, because that, for me, is honestly where most of my clutter triggers happen. Um, Mm. So one of them that I experience probably more often than I'd like is having to move objects, especially appliances, so little appliances, to get your hands on what you need like I have more things in the space than is ideal and that I have to move stuff out of the way to get what I want so that for Mm -hmm. me is a clutter trigger when I am finding myself pulling out you know the rice cooker and the blender and everything else to get to my kitchen beaters at the back it makes me think that either I've got a a problem with the amount of items in that space or just a problem with the amount of items total Yeah. So when we say these are examples of clutter triggers, uh, these are examples of things that happen to you that you could turn into a trigger to then do some decluttering. And they might not be a trigger at the moment. You might do it every single day. You might move things around and it not occur to you that you could declutter. So what we can do is turn these everyday things of moving stuff around into a trigger to go, oh, you know what? I have too much stuff in this space. I need to make a change. I need to do something about this. And so then those actions become a trigger to do a declutter. Mm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's For me, it's the inconvenience. When something is inconvenient mm. to do, that equates to being a trigger for me. It annoys yeah. me enough to spur me into action. Um, yeah, So yeah. same. Another one in the So kitchen, another one. Yeah, go. What do you think? Yeah, what? so another one in the kitchen is that not being able to close your drawer. So the utensil drawers, oh. <laughs> when they get a bit over full, you know, you only have to half close it and then it stops by, it gets stopped by something, potato masher or something large. Uh, or it could be lots of small things that have just several layers of. But that is another thing that would uh, be a great thing to turn into a trigger to tell you that perhaps you need to declutter that utensil drawer a little bit. One thing that's pretty common for most people is finding out of date or rotten food, be it in your fridge or your pantry. When you find things that are have gone past their best and 
you feel annoyed or let down or regretful about that, that can be a trigger to either change your shopping habits so you don't buy as as much or as frequently or to declutter what you've got there. So maybe um, you find the squishy, slimy lettuce at the back of the fridge and you think, okay, I'm going to just quickly have a look in here and see what else needs to be Mm. thrown out at the same time. It might be as simple as that, but it triggers you. It spurs on some kind of change in behavior or extra action uh, to find out what other rotten food you've got there and and get rid of it and and possibly change your behavior going further in the future. Yeah. Yeah, I think think what I'm going to mention or what I'm going to talk about a little bit later is the difference between a tr- something that triggers a short-term action and then something that triggers a long-term action. So at the moment we're talking more about triggering long-term actions and we'll talk about short-term actions a little bit later. But these long-term actions that we're, we're talking about triggering are, yeah, getting rid of those foods that are um, yucky and changing the behaviour or thinking about how to change the behaviour so that it doesn't happen again. But, yeah, it, it, does, it can just trigger something really short, like you said, where, it go, where you say, oh, gross, but wonder what else is in here that's gross. I'll just quickly go through it all. Mick does that frequently is that he'll find something in the fridge that is gross and it will gross him out. And then all of a sudden he's got the entire countertop covered in Tupperware containers of of leftovers where he's going, how old's this? How old's this? How old's this? Mm -hmm. And he's wanting to throw it all out. So he gets triggered by finding something that's, that's out of date and then wants to go through every single container. So he gets triggered that way. Another trigger is finding that you're taking a really long time to make a decision about stuff uh, because often we get analysis paralysis when we have too many options. So if you are agonizing over which placemats to use, um, which cake tin, which vase, it could mean that you have too many and that you might be able to simplify your life by reducing the number of options that you have um, and the decisions that you have to make another place in my house that I find frequent clutter triggers not as much anymore I think because I've converted some of those short-term changes into long-term habits but is in the wardrobe like Mm. (laughs) there's it's a I mean I guess it's a really common place for clutter um, clothing clutter, shoe clutter, accessory clutter to hide or to, you know, build up. So having to squish clothes into spaces where they don't fit after you've washed them, folded them, ironed them, and then, you know, and you're trying to cram them in somewhere, that's a pretty big red flag that possibly there's too much stuff in there. And then for me, mm. the absolute killer is because I iron my clothes before I put them away is if I pull something out, that I know I've ironed and it's creased because it's been squished in between other stuff. That is like, right, that's it. Tools down. We need to sort this <laughs> Major declutter. Out. Yeah. <laughs> Scrub the yeah. plans for the day. Today we are decluttering <laughs> the wardrobe because I ironed this shirt last week and now I've got to do it again. That's it. Yep. Mm. Yep. So that's that's definitely a big one is um, squishing stuff in and and not being able to find what you're looking for or even be able to see what you're looking for. Like one of my, I get I get a, a triggered, I guess, into a de- wardrobe declutter. If things end up hidden 
somehow and I'm like, you know, pull something out and I've got, how? I couldn't see this. Why couldn't I see this? Um, and because if you can't see something, you won't wear it. If you don't wear it, then you may as well not own it. So um, it becomes, you know, a waste then. And so if you can't see it, um, then that for me does trigger me to also do a little, at least a reorganisation, sometimes a declutter, but at least a reorganisation. And not being able to find what you are looking for, that would happen to people a lot, I would expect. Mm -hmm. And that would be something where, you know, it could turn into a trigger where you say, do you know what, I can't find something, I can't find this thing that I want to find, I'm going to need to go and do a reorganisation. Usually if I can't find clothing, it's not in my wardrobe (laughs) because my wardrobe is quite well organised and so if it's in my wardrobe, I'll be able to find it in a second because it's always I'm in control of where it goes. So when I've lost clothes before, it's usually because they've been put in someone else's wardrobe or I've got them in a backpack or I've accidentally left them in a bag that I didn't fully unpack or, you know, something stupid like that. So, um, But that is a good trigger is if you can't find something, it might mean you've just got too much stuff in there. Mm. And one thing that used to happen to me a lot is standing in front of my wardrobe looking at all these clothes and having that feeling of there's nothing to wear and mm-hmm. that to me would always be like, okay, I've, it's not that I'd have no clothes to wear. There are clothes here, but I don't want to wear anything or I just feel exhausted looking at it. Or like you said, that even that analysis paralysis, like I can't decide either. There's so much amazing stuff that I can't decide. That's not helpful. Just as there's, you know, I'm looking here and I don't want to wear anything. If you're getting that feeling and not just today because you know, you didn't sleep well and you don't want a Monday today. If it comes regularly that you look in your wardrobe and just think, oh, God, I don't have anything I want to wear, then maybe, and it's not a case of throwing it all out and buying everything new. It's just working out what in there you genuinely won't wear again and keeping this because there will be things in there that you love and that you feel good in and that are comfortable. Mm. It's just that you can't see them. And so sometimes having less is you know, a lot more freeing and helps you make decisions so much quicker. So if you have that feeling, that could be a a good trigger too. Mm. Uh, One thing that cropped up recently for me with a client and it showed just how it might have even been the inspiration for this episode. I know I wrote notes about this episode earlier and it could have been this conversation that I had with a client, but she was talking about how she'd recently got an ironing service and it was really good because she didn't have to worry about the ironing. But then she said, but now I don't know, I haven't got anywhere to put it when it comes back from the ironing place, from the ironing, when they bring it back, when the delivery service bring it back. And straight away, immediately in my mind was, well, you put it in the wardrobe. <laughs> that was just the obvious thing to me. And so I didn't say that. I, I sort of let her talk about, you know, what she was doing and where she was putting the things and all of that. And then I said to her, um, have you considered putting them in the wardrobe and she said no there's no room in the wardrobe and I waited for her to have the aha moment and she didn't and I said do you think maybe that you could declutter the wardrobe to make room for the clothes that are coming in from the ironing and she went oh yeah I could (laughs) and so it just highlighted to me that these triggers aren't always obvious to us Mm -hmm. and that we sometimes you know it might just go straight past us and we might not see, you know, what is actually a good solution. 
um, and what is a trigger to to make some change. So we did talk about that and she said she's not ready to declutter her wardrobe, which is cool. So uh, we worked out some other solutions, but it's on our radar to, to get that wardrobe decluttered because that will solve that problem, you know, instantly. And so one, you know, huge trigger that I think a lot of my clients have, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will have, is that they can't put their clean clothes away because there's no room. Mm. And so that that then could become a trigger to do some decluttering so that when you um, have all of your beautiful clean clothes, you've gone to all the trouble of washing them and folding them and ironing, that you can just put them straight away in their homes and they're not going to be laying about the house for weeks or until they get worn again and go through the wash again. Yeah, and I think the whole concept of triggers is really handy if you're in maintenance mode as well because quite often Mm. people get, in that decluttering frenzy mode and they start at one end of the house and they work their way through and the wardrobe will be on the list or the kitchen will be on the list because that, you know, that's the next room that they're coming up to. But once you've done an initial declutter or if you've done it in that kind of um, sweep the house mode, how do you know when to do it again? Because it doesn't just, your places, Mm. you know, and spaces don't stay decluttered. If you are still bringing items in, things will eventually reclutter. So if you're feeling like you're in maintenance mode, that's when I think these triggers are really critical because this will tell you Mm. when you need to revisit that area as well. And the wardrobe is one that I think is an ongoing battle, you know, because people buy will buy clothes a lot, I think, a lot quicker than they buy. Well, certainly um, for most people probably – and I might be the exception, probably buy clothes more frequently than they buy kitchen gadgets <laughs> or, um, <laughs> you know. Uh, That's definitely true for me. <laughs> recreational um, equipment or whatever. Like clothes is something that seem to always come in seasonally, all of that kind mm. of stuff. So um, noticing the triggers in your wardrobe, I think, can really can really be helpful. And, and maybe it's just that it triggers you to do a clean out at the change of season. It might not be that this morning when you're having that I can't find anything to wear moment, that might not be the time to pull anything, everything out and declutter. It might just be, okay, at the end of this season. when I schedule it. Yeah. Mm. I think another area to consider as a trigger in with regards to clothing is when you've got kids that are growing rapidly or when you've got hand-me-downs coming in or you've got hand-me-downs waiting uh, for the next child to grow into so with kids clothes there's like a rapid turnover happening and whether you're in decluttering mode or maintenance mode it's quite an active area and so watching your triggers for that space is important as well and you know when you're if you find that you've pulled out three pairs of jeans and none of them will fit onto your toddler, then it might be time to do a little bit of a refresh and move some things into the, to hand onto the next kid pile and move some things out of the hand-me-downs that don't fit pile and um, and rejig everything a little bit as well. So uh, with kids, you might have these triggers going off quite frequently. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. And you can even, you know, separate sections of the wardrobe. If you've got, you know, two sizes in your wardrobe just label them accordingly put a one thing I used to do with my kids um, I'd get an old cd and use a kitchen knife probably not the best utensil to use for it um, to cut across uh, the radius of a cd and make Mm. a 
um, so so you could I could slip the disc over the hanging like the pole, and I would oh, have a I CD see, yes. disc, okay. and then I'd have like size three on one side and As write a separator, yeah, yeah, and write. Um, this you can tell I was decluttering my CDs at that point, and there were some that even the secondhand <laughs> CD store <laughs> wouldn't buy off me, or wouldn't the consignment mm. store didn't want. How bad was my taste? Uh, and so I would write with like a permanent marker on one side of the disc, size three, and on the other. Um, marker on the other side of the disc size four and I'd stick that on the the rail and hang them that way and then as I noticed that I was grabbing more from the size four side I'd be like okay Mm. we probably can get rid of all of that size three or bag them up for the next kid or whatever it was yeah um yeah mm. yeah that's a great idea then if we move on to other areas of the home or general kind of items one huge trigger is when you lose things yeah, car keys. How many of us can relate to that? If you are frequently losing your car keys or your handbag or your mobile phone or, you know, whatever it is, it's a trigger that you need to create a home for that. Um, and if it's other things that you find that you're losing, maybe that's a flag to say you've got too much stuff that you can't find the things that you're after, or maybe it's a a flag to not say that you need to declutter, but that you just need to start creating some homes. And we did that episode a couple of Mm. weeks ago talking about homes for things and how important it is. So if you haven't listened to that, um, go back and and have a listen to why why it's important to find homes. But I think losing things and then I guess leading on from that, purchasing duplicates. So when you know you've Mm. got batteries in the house but you can't find them and so you go and buy more batteries, that might be a sign that you need to declutter and then create a permanent home for the batteries so that you know where to find them next time yep then another one that is quite similar to the whole purchasing duplicates is forgetting what you have so a lot of us have been in that scenario where you find something you think oh I forgot I had that (laughs) so maybe you would pause and think why did I forget that I had that is it because I never use it so then there's probably some questions going on from that why do I have it if I don't use it is it in an inconvenient location um, did I buy a duplicate because I didn't know I had this one um, and so that can be a, a trigger as well when you come across stuff that you didn't even know that you had in the house um, that can maybe spur you on to start doing some sorting or letting go yeah for sure and I think another one is when it takes you a really long time to tidy up. If you need, you know, two days notice for somebody to come and visit because you need to run around frantically and, and tidy up, that possibly could be a trigger for doing a bit of a declutter because we all know that having less stuff means less tidying up basically and so if you're finding that tidying up is taking a really long time or it's a really stressful activity then perhaps that could trigger you to do some decluttering either in the space that's difficult to tidy or in the the whole house um, in general. I think going on from that too seasonal decorations is a big one because a lot of people love putting them out but then feel so (laughs) overwhelmed by the thought of taking all the Christmas lights down or taking all the Halloween decorations down and packing them away. And if it takes you a really long time to do that, maybe that could um, 
trigger you to let go of some of them? Like, can you get the same feel by owning less? Um, Mm. Because seasonal decorations is something that people frequently buy and add to their collections year after year after year, which is fine. But if then the thought of either pulling them all out or putting them all away just seems overwhelming, maybe Mm -hmm. think about downsizing a little. Yep, good plan. Another one with um, kids stuff is when you are having to constantly fight about the tidy up and the tidy up takes a long time and your kids don't seem to be capable of handling it and toys are left out most of the time because nobody can handle uh, the overwhelming job of, of tidying them up, then perhaps that might be something that could trigger a toy declutter as well. Uh, research shows that children with fewer toys um, actually benefit from that over children who have large amounts of toys. So, you know, if you are finding that there is there are arguments about toys where the spaces are not usable properly because there's always toys around, then there's a a couple of triggers for you as well. Yeah, and quite often when kids have got too many toys, they get overwhelmed and overstimulated and then it can even show up as boredom. So if you've got kids with masses of toys but nothing to do, it's a bit like the scenario where Mm. you're in the wardrobe with all the clothes and nothing to wear because you can't see what's in front of you And kids have great imagination, but sometimes there is just too much. So if you find that your kids, despite having heaps of stuff, complain of being bored or having nothing to do or they don't know where their toys are, then maybe if you downsize and you don't even have to give them away, you could just rotate them, keep half as much in the space where they play and put half outside or in the top of the cupboard and then rotate them occasionally or give some away Um, to other people swap with friends whatever it is but maybe kids behavior in their toy space might be a trigger for you to change it up or let some things go another thing that really annoys me and is a good trigger to get rid of stuff is when things are in my way and so if they are in front of a cupboard and you can't open a cupboard door or in front of a drawer that you can't open or they're behind the door and the door only opens halfway. And so when you want to get through that door with an armful of stuff, it's really tricky. Those kinds of things are great triggers as well to for you to say, you know what, there's something that is bothering me here or something annoying, something that's not working as it should. Perhaps I need to do something about that. So I think we've given heaps of examples. So I guess we should probably cover now why it's helpful, like why triggers and identifying them, recognizing them in your everyday become helpful for us. And I guess like we we indicated at the start of the show, when you start noticing these things happening, and hopefully by listening to us talk about them, you will start noticing when the utensil drawer is hard to open or close, or when you have that feeling in your wardrobe, when you start noticing those things, it might highlight the need for you to then take action. Yeah, so they're really helpful 
uh, in as a an everyday kind of thing and once you like you said once you start recognizing them they become a really important maintenance tool in in many different ways so they can help you prioritize your decluttering efforts as well because if you've started to notice some triggers they those triggers will help you actually realize where your decluttering efforts probably should be concentrated if you are in active decluttering mode you know instead of making the bathroom cabinet really pretty with lots of nice containers why don't you get rid of the pile of stuff behind the door because you can't open the front door properly so that might be something that um that you can use triggers for as well is to just figure out where your biggest bottlenecks are and uh, the things that bother you the most and sometimes the triggers will spur you into immediate action. So like we said with the utensil drawer, you could, when you can't get it open and you're after the, I don't know, the I was going to say the can opener. Do people even need can openers anymore? That's a whole other yeah. episode. Um, yeah. Well, I have, Ethan actually came out the other day, I was unpacking groceries and he picked up a can and he said, oh my God, where's the ring pull? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, like there's been a fault with this can it doesn't have the ring on I went no dude that it just doesn't have one and you need a can opener for that one and he's like wow you don't see those very often anymore Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I was like no you don't actually most of them have the ring pull on them but no we still need our can opener well and so that's the thing when you are looking for that and you can't get the utensil drawer open you can go right okay I've got three minutes pull the drawer out, what in here don't I use or do I use it all and it just needs to be sorted and reorganised so that it's not all stacked on top of each other. Um, You know, some of those kind of triggers can spur you into immediate action. You can do that and you can pull out the four things in there that you don't use anymore that take up heaps of space and, you know, put them in your bag by the front door or wherever you put the stuff is that you're, you're sending out that you're letting go of or donating sometimes the trigger will spur you to take on a bigger job and you can't do it immediately like going through your linen cupboard or figuring out which placemats you're going to keep and which ones to let go so you might not be able to do that in the moment but you can schedule it for later on so uh, for me I would write it down in my diary either for you know this weekend or next week or whenever I thought I had some time I would you know, had noticed the trigger, think that's something I've got to go through, can't do it right this moment. So I'll pop it on a list to do it at a later time. Yeah. And I think this is where it's highlighted a little bit the difference between maintenance mode and decluttering mode is that when you're in decluttering mode, usually the volumes of things are higher. And so they're less able to be tackled in a short little burst. Mm -hmm. Whereas once you're in maintenance mode, you can just go, you know what, I'm just going to quickly go through my sock drawer and throw away the ones that have got, you know, the elastic gone in the top of them so that I've got a little bit more space and I can actually see the socks that I have. And so that might be a three minute sort of task where you can just go in and pull a couple of things out because you don't already have it completely overloaded and you don't have socks all over the house Um, maintenance mode means generally that the jobs are smaller and more likely to be able to done more likely to be able to be done immediately rather than a big project that you do have to schedule a little bit later on now this is something that is probably like tara doesn't make much sense to tara (laughs) because she doesn't work like this but i use 
triggers as well for cleaning and tidying and general housework. And I am not a schedule person. So Tara is a schedule person. She has towels Tuesday and that's when she washes her towels. Uh, or is it Thursday? It is Tuesday. It is Tuesday. Yeah. I love that you know when I wash my towels. <laughs> yeah. But I have and, and I have I have checklists and I do a yeah. Sunday brain dump of all the things that have to be achieved this week and then they all have tick boxes next to them and like that's how my brain works and that's how I sleep yeah, at night. That's right. So you yeah, you work well in schedules. I don't. My I can't do schedules. I can try to do a schedule, but then I don't stick to it, which then makes me feel like a complete failure. And I would rather not feel like a complete failure, so I don't subject myself to schedules. So instead what I do is I use triggers. Uh, I mean, I have a little bit of a, a routine on Saturdays for, for doing housework, but when it's not in that block of, you know, three hours on Saturday morning when I'm running around doing all of the actual cleaning, when it's just during the week and it's regular housekeeping, I guess, I use triggers rather than schedules. So when the washing basket is three quarters full, that triggers me to go and put a load on. It's not in any particular day or anything like that. Um, if I'm walking in my kitchen barefoot and it feels a bit crunchy, then that is the trigger for me to vacuum rather than do it at a set time, you know, daily or weekly or something like that. Um, if I have to move stuff to use the, the countertop, that will be a trigger for me to then go and put things in their homes so that the kitchen feels a bit tidier. I also have visual triggers as well. If I look at a space and just go, oh, God, that's too much, then that will trigger me to put things in their homes or rehome and de-own that space. Others could be, you know, the the sink smells, do the dishes. <laughs> um, the... The toilet smells, clean it. You know, those little triggers that remind you that some action needs to be taken uh, that doesn't necessarily need to go on a schedule if, if schedules don't suit you. So uh, triggers actually do also help me keep my house relatively clean and tidy as well. I bet there are a bunch of triggers that other people have, whether they've called them triggers before or whether they're just little things that they notice that spur them into some kind of decluttering behavior and we would love to hear about them so please come and head to our facebook community and tell us what spurs you into decluttering is it when you can't get another book on the bookshelf that you put some time aside and and go through all your books come and join us there and we will be back with you again next week thanks for joining us we'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so that they too can be uncluttered if you would like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or on social media or on our own websites at rebeccamazino.com.au and basklifecoaching.com. <laughs>